Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Montgomery Entrepreneur and Digital Marketing Agency owner. Today, my guest is Rolanda Sumner. She is a business startup development coach. She helps new women coaches how to create authentic faith-based coaching practices that provide them with autonomy and emotional and financial freedom they crave. Rolanda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. So can you share your journey in starting and growing your own business? Why did you end up doing that? And what was your What's your story? Basically, I retired out of the military in 2015, and I was just bouncing around the idea of starting the skincare business with my sister. And I started a regular nine to five because I was too scared. I got fired from that nine to five within two months, and I, it took away all my excuses from starting. So I started my skincare business. I did that for a couple of years and I was almost at the three-year mark. And during my time of making body butters and all that stuff, I discovered that I didn't want to talk about ingredients. I wanted to empower women. So I decided to be a coach because it came naturally to me. I closed my other business and opened a life after service transitional coaching with the intent on coaching women veterans and starting their business. And I went to coaching school. And later on the year that I graduated, I also got my accreditation and then I pivoted and decided to coach all women new coaches, because I recognize that coaching schools do not give you a good foundation for business development. They tell you how to coach, but they don't really show you what to do after that. They're like, go get an email list and have a conversation for sales. And you're like, but I don't know what else to do. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the short story of how I was inspired to get into coaching and help women close that gap so they can have good coaching foundations, good business foundations for their coaching practices. Gosh, it's our story is so similar. It's amazing. I love to hear it. (laughs) So what are some of the first things new coaches should focus on? So some of the first things you should focus on is are your target audience. Yes, you can go out there and get a license. That takes 15 minutes. You have to get your EIN. That's free. That takes five minutes. Those are wonderful things. But before you get yourself locked up in the system, you need to figure out who you're going to talk to. And before you even figure out your niche, you need to figure out what niche your people want you to be in. So you got to figure out who you're going to talk to and what they need. And the easiest person to look at is yourself. At what point in your life did you just set up, sit up in your bed and say, this is enough. I can't take it anymore. And then what journey did you go through to get to your space of transformation? And you're going to take that person who you were, and you're going to put them through the journey, but in an accelerated format, because you already went through the mistakes. You spent all the money unnecessarily, and now you're going to condense that for that same demographic you were, and voila, you're going to share with them how to get through that. And then once help, once you figure out who you're going to serve, then you're going to ask them what they need because a lot of people do it the opposite way. Oh, I got this wonderful idea. Who's going to do it? I don't know. Everybody. No, (laughs) 
Everybody's right. not going to participate. Yeah. You can figure out what they need and what they want. And it's usually around what you already know and you package it and then you price it appropriately. Don't price it too low because it makes you look like you don't know what you're doing. And then you sell it. But you first need to figure out who is going to, you're going to work with. And it's usually you before the transformation. Yeah. So what are some of the fundamentals that you help new coaches with? So I help them with four pillars of starting their business. One is finding out who their target audience is. And we go into a deep dive. I ask them some questions like, where was that moment where you just said enough was enough? And then I asked them about the demographics. How old were you? How much money did you make? What was the circumstances around that? Let's get into that. Let's talk about that. Let's flush that out. And I make them like write all, down all the details. And then I tell them to go out and find that those people, find those people and have a conversation with them and find out what's important to them. The second pillar is creating a signature program. And making it simple, 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 simple. We only want to accomplish one goal. We don't need to have a thesis. We're not trying to get a doctorate degree. We're just trying to accomplish one goal in eight to 12 weeks. And then pricing it is the third pillar, how to price it appropriately. Number four is selling it, how to sell it with confidence and with in line with our values. So it feels like a conversation and not a sales pitch. And then last, providing a client experience that is inexpensive, but meaningful to you and the client. Because you're a startup, you don't need to be spending like $400 on a gift. That's ridiculous. But that's meaningful you and the client. And that reminds them that you do care about them. So we go over the four pillars and naturally I have bonuses. So one of the bonuses is business filing and they can go back and look at the bonus and follow the steps to filing their business. But as we both know, business filing is the easy part. Yeah, It's actually like setting things up and get making money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the struggles that people are facing around pricing? I love this it's, topic. <laughs> it's their self-worth. A lot of times they're like, oh, nobody's going to pay that much. And then you tell them you did. It's not a matter of if they're going to pay that much. It's a matter of if they believe that you can help them with this problem. Um, and so then you have to teach them the psychology of pricing. You have to con not convince them, but you have to help them realize that their knowledge is worth paying, worth making that investment. It's not spending, it's making an investment and changing the vocabulary in their head. But a lot of it is them realizing that their knowledge is worth paying for. Yeah. Because in their head, they're like, well, I'll pay $4,000. But then when you say, okay, well, somebody's going to pay you $4,000, they're like, I don't know. And yeah. then they want to bottom price it. And say, no, can you pay your bills on that? I don't do it for the money. Sure you do. <laughs> and it's okay <laughs> to do it for some yeah. money. If you like, want to survive. <laughs> yeah. There's costs that go into that. And you need to charge appropriately so you can eat. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how do you encourage building a business around your values? So one of the things I have to usually start off by 
working on their wealth consciousness and reiterating that what they believe is important, how they feel is important. You should have to understand or you have to remember that many of us are from an employee standpoint. So we're told that our values are not important. And so there is a mindset shift you go through when you work for yourself because you're used to being told how much you're worth. You're used to being told that your company's values are your values, especially if you've been in the military, like the army values, right? So when you're sitting down and you're trying to figure out your values, the first thing somebody says is, you know, I don't know my values. Okay, let's take an assessment. And then you pick out the ones that resonate most to you. And then let's talk about how, what that means to you. So there's a bit of coaching that goes into that so that they can dig up what that means to them and identify what that means to them. And then I encourage them to work that into their business. Whatever decision you make, is it aligned with what you believe? Is it going to bring you closer to what you believe or is it going to bring you away from what you believe? And understanding that it's okay to say, no, this is not in, in line with what I believe or this is in line with what I believe. This is your business. So you don't have to do every opportunity that somebody throws in your face. You can say no. Does it feel good? Does it not feel good? If it doesn't feel good, does it not feel good because it's not in alignment with your values? Or does it not feel good because it's out of your comfort zone? Is it different? So it's just some coaching around the idea that your views matter. Let's look at what you've always gone back to and what's important to you and practicing that self-check. You don't have to say yes because it's money. You're not making money at first anyway. So guess what? You might as well just say no because it's not within your values. <laughs> and get into the practice of saying yes when it's right. So when you start to say yes when it's right, it's just more frequent and you make more money in that mind frame. Yeah. Did I so answer your question? Yeah, I did. Okay. So why do you think many people struggle with implementation and how do you help them get focused? Implementation is hard, honestly, because that's okay. You can, first of all, we're so used to theory. We're used to pedagogy when you're sitting down and you read a book and then somebody's like, here's some theory, go ahead and read about the theory of things, read about math that you're not going to use or read about science that you may not ever go back to. And in college, even they say it's adult learning that you can use it right now, but it's still theory. It's still a lot of pedagogy and theory. When it comes down to actually implementing things, that's when it gets hard because now you have to get out of your own way and do it. And it can be scary doing something new. It can be scary actually going out to sell your product. Like practicing is fun. Oh, this is so funny. <laughs> but actually doing it. Oh, I got to speak to this stranger. I have to pick up the phone and call them. And oh my goodness, they're going to laugh me off the phone. I have to email somebody and follow up and follow up. They're going to think I'm annoying them. If I have to post this post and this topic. They're going to think I'm posting it too much. Now you're in your head. So the implementation is actually where people who are successful are separated from those who are not successful. 
Are you going to actually do the work? Are you going to do the work when it's failing? Are you going to do the work when you're tired? Are you going to do the work when you're not seeing results right away? So implementation is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it does. I think even in the marketing world, when you implement things, you have to tweak them. You have to measure the results and things. And I think that at least I've seen a lot of people that will try certain tactics and they're saying, it's not working for me. And either it's because they're missing a puzzle piece. They're missing a small piece of the reason why it's not working, or it's just a few tweaks. And if they just tweak it a little bit more, then they're going to succeed. Yeah. And nobody wants to take the time. I see a lot of these articles saying, oh yeah, get your first 12 clients in 12 days. No, (laughs) it might take you longer than 90 days. You have to put some time into it. Yeah. You have to go out there and keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Yeah. So Unless you're like me, where I got 20 clients in the first month of my business, but I reached out to 2,000 people. Yes. Nobody wants to talk about those numbers. Have you reached out to 2,000 people? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had somebody else that said, wow, I saw you go from zero to an avalanche of clients and I'm over here in the non-avalanche. I'm like, so how many people are you talking to today? I talked to about five or six and I'm emailing about 200. So... He's like, I'm not meeting anyone. Maybe once a week. I'm like, that's your problem. You have got, if you're not working, if you don't have work, you have, you've got to pack your schedule for, of meeting people, period. Yeah. And that's hard. That's not easy. So yeah, yeah, you have to swallow your, your pride and, you know, implementation is not easy. It's not the easy thing to do, but business is not easy. And that's something that you accept when you're like, I'm going to go out on my own. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about online courses. Now I Mm -hmm. would be, if I pretended like I didn't know anything about online courses, it would be odd because I built my whole agency, not my entire agency, but half my agency is built upon online courses. And I use Brendan Burchard's formula for making a million dollars with online courses a year with Mm -hmm. low price courses, but a membership subscription model. Mm -hmm. So I think I have right now about 12 courses built. So I'm a huge fan of Mm -hmm. courses and I love them. And I have a full on process of what I do to implement that. Mm -hmm. What I would like to know is from your perspective, what are the top benefits that you have seen in producing them? And why do you think that coaches should actually go down that path and create courses? Okay. So one of the benefits of having an online course is it multiplies your impact and it makes it possible for you to serve lots of people at one time. So of course, a lot of coaches first start out, there is a perception that you need to start out one-on-one and one-on-one coaching is good. If you're charging appropriately, there's a big energy exchange between two people and it's not unusual for you to get off the call and be tired. But what if you can serve 10 people at a time? What if you can serve a hundred people at a time? What if you can serve a hundred people at a time and not be there and still make money and still make an impact? That's amazing. That's when you can start to scale. That's why online courses are amazing. In a group format, say you serve 10 people who are really motivated. You have a group of people that you can share energy with and they support each other. So that means when you get off the phone with them, now they are supporting each other and they're going to be more 
successful because they have each other to back each other up. And then you just answer questions in between. You support them, but it's not all on you. The other thing is the the revenue generation. With one client at a time, yeah, they might pay you $50,000 a year, but that's one client. Imagine if you had 10 people in a three-month period and they all paid you $10,000 in a three-month period and you times that by four, that's a lot more money. You can multiply, scale the amount of money that you can make in a shorter period of time by making an online course. Now, when you first start, I'm a proponent of having a high ticket program when you first start because it helps you build your value ladder faster and you get to make money faster. And when you first start, you need to make some cash. You need to get that cash flow up. So when you first start, you need to have a pilot that's $2,000 and then make that your on-demand course and then build, make a live and then break out pieces of that to finish the rest of your value ladder so that you can have the smaller courses and you're not creating things from scratch in, in the beginning. Yeah. And then after that, after you get to know your audience and after you get to discover other things they need, you can make other smaller courses are great. Because they do help you bring in revenue and they help you get to those bigger clients. But when you're a brand B spanking new and you're just learning how to package your knowledge, you need to start off with something big because you got to pay for all of that stuff that's going to help you serve your client. You got to pay for the think ethic. You got to pay for the the Wi-Fi. You got to pay for the gifts. You got to pay your rent. (laughs) you got to pay for all these things. And so $50 for 50 people is not going to really cut it. And then you don't really know your messaging yet. Your brand isn't really tight yet. You don't know your voice yet. It's better to start off big and then break it up into pieces than to, I think, than to start off small and you're still trying to figure out what people want. People want this big program and you're also going to find out what pieces they want. And so you can break it up and build your whole ladder and then add on later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you bring up an interesting point because there is a lot of people that don't start with say tons of people following them on social media. Maybe they don't even know how to grow their list. It was absolutely different for me because I went viral on YouTube first before I even became a digital marketer. And I had, I don't know, four or 500 new people in my email list every week, just organically. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I just launched a course to make ton of money. Yeah. It was almost like, it was, I always, <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like it was, I kind of wish I didn't have that success mm-hmm. in a way because then I expected it to be super easy going forward <laughs> and that every single thing would just like, I would just be making, you just open the doors and people come. Then it wasn't until I got, I struggled a little bit with copy, struggled a little bit with offers and that sort of thing that I was able to see the process. Now I put up, if I'm going to create a course, I pre-sell it. I put up a mm-hmm. landing page. I record it on zoom. That becomes an online course and I do not create it unless it pre-sells. Yeah. Um, because if nobody wants it, if not, if just a few people organically see it and they don't buy it, nobody wants it. You don't have to build up a program when you're working with them. You're a pilot. You're going to build that pilot as you go. Yeah. Things are beautiful in theory, but when you execute it, you're going to start to learn as you execute it. It's not the way your clients actually want it. 
Yeah. So what you'll do is you'll sell the program to them. You're going to have maybe one or two lessons ready. You might have a couple of pieces of homework and you'll let them start on that. Even their welcome packet, you let them start on that and you'll say, okay, the start date is say June 1st, everybody gets together and you record your lessons as you go. Yeah. You upload it and you tell them that, Hey, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity because it is a pilot and they're the, they're going to be the first people to help shape and mold this program. And as you go, you will create worksheets. You will create everything you need. You have the outline in front of you, your material, but your clients will tell you what they need. With yeah. business science prep school, I built the entire thing before they started. And guess what? I had to redo the whole thing as I was going, because once they got in, they was like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the truth? I went through the same thing. Like with my membership program, I created all these courses that I knew they, so there's that difference between the things that people want and the things that they actually need. Mm-hmm. They're going to buy the things they want. They're going to consume the things they want and glaze over. Don't really care about the stuff that they actually need. That need. I remember <laughs> step for myself, I stepped out initially and created the stuff that I knew that people needed mm-hmm. and they didn't want it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was devastating. And then when I started to focus more on the things that everyone wants, then it was, Ooh, I want that. It's such an interesting process. People just don't realize how much of a journey it is. It is. And give yourself some grace while you're going through it. You know what you're talking about, but you have the bachelor's master's degree level of understanding it. So you're going to have a tendency to give them too much information because you're excited and you're like, Oh, by the way, (laughs) and then the recipient is going to be like, but wait a minute, hold on. (laughs) Too much, too much, too much. (laughs) Yeah. And you're going to learn to pare it down to just what they want to know. And in your brain, you're going to be like, but you need so much more. So you're going to learn how to take some of that and make them bonus material and put it aside. Listen, you're going to need this. I'm going to make it a bonus. It's already made, but it's a trial. It's trial and effort. One of the reasons why you give people unlimited access, listen, you paid for it. You got access to all of its updates for the life of the program paid like $5,000 for it. Here's your access to it because people's wants and needs will change. The bonuses are going to change. So guess what here, you could be a a top expert and things will change. So yeah. Yeah, Anything that is necessary to help you get to where you, you need to be. Yeah. And that's (laughs) the other point is like, you do have to consistently update things and make things fresh. And if you've built a course, especially if it's a decent size, you got to go back and refresh those things as things change. Yeah. Sometimes you got to pluck things out and be like, no, this was not necessary. And that was too much, or that's not enough. I need to break that down more. I need to like, in your brain, you're like, oh, that's simple. And for them, they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm totally lost. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with somebody about how to set up a lead magnet. And for me, it's, I've created a million of them and like, what kind of tool do you need? 
but we were going back and forth of her actually embedding the PDF on her website. I'm like, why are you embedding it on the website? She's like, I'm trying to connect it to MailChimp. And I'm like, wait a minute. And we were on two different wavelengths. And I, but that's something that I take for granted because I've done a million of them. And that was her first one. And that's yeah. a perfect example of something that seems like a little bit, you're a master, mm-hmm. but it takes you time to learn all mm-hmm. of those things. We all have to go through that process. Yeah. Which is why you have to show, I have to remind my clients, like, listen, eight to 12 weeks tops, you're only looking to give them the basic information. And then you're going to create an upgrade for the new problems that will come up. You need to only show them like one major outcome. That's it. And well, how much were you able to consume? You have a job, you had to study this stuff. So that's two hours right there. Like the time we spent together and you reviewing it, that's two hours a week. Like you don't want to make this a college course. They will disconnect. They won't yeah. even read it. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, the did, other- you, did you do your homework? No. Yeah. It's too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Even if people are passionate about stuff, it's once you go past five, 10 minutes, they're gone. Mm-hmm. They got things going. And I think that, yeah, there is that pressure to make these things mammoth and you really don't have to make it a mammoth. You just have to be able to produce a result that they want. Yes. Yeah. So can you share some of your client success stories with us? Okay. Yay. One of my success stories is Latosha Pilate. She's a CEO of Determined Steps. She's a pastor. And I think she just got ordained. When I first started to work with her, she's part of the pilot from 2019. When I first worked with her, she knew she wanted to help people. And she was in coaching school. She just didn't know how to start or put it all together. And so with through working with her, she created her first program. She priced it and now she's making five to $10,000 a month. She's taken a little bit of a pivot and she's focusing on ministry now, but she loves, she's loving what she's doing. She has a clear idea. She caught on to her target audience, like real quick. I was like, what? <laughs> she started, like, we did a challenge and she started talking to her audience and people were paying attention. I was like, why can't I catch on that? And she's doing great things. Yasida Davis, she is a intimacy doula. She helps Christian women tap into their intimacy so that they feel more comfortable with their sexuality. And she's awesome at what she does. She's wonderful. All of her clients absolutely love her. She's non-threatening. She has a, like a non-threatening presence and she's very warm and fuzzy. And she really, she's really good at working with women who have had trauma. So they can go to her with their trauma, but the, when at the end, they're like, I really do feel feminine, sexy. Those are my two most proudest people. I have other clients, but I'm really ecstatic about them. They're Starla Bice. She has a new health and fitness coaching practice. She's already launched her two classes and have clients in them. She just finished building her, her program this fall and she was part of, she's part of the on-demand course and she just started this fall. Like she took it and ran. 
So I have other clients who finish the program, but those are the three that are popping up at the top of my head. I love that. So let me ask you one last question. If you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first Mm -hmm. started out, what would it be? I think I would have gotten sales coaching sooner. I didn't get sales coaching until last year. And it made a world of difference. I had sales experience, but I didn't, I was afraid of it because I had a bad sales training. So I didn't know what was good and what was bad. And I started working with Amanda Abella and she really helped me refocus. She showed me what habits were really good. And then she helped me get my courage back to actually talk to people. And she's amazing. So I would have gotten sales coaching much sooner in my coaching journey because I was just so scared. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had a great program, but in my pilots, I like my other coach, Arielle Renal, she went out and got clients for me. (laughs) I was so scared. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So if I would have gotten sales coaching sooner, I would have just been a lot further along. Yeah. Get coaches, people. (laughs) Yeah. And I like that because not all of us are born natural salespeople and the people that are natural salespeople, they're like, oh, everyone's a salesperson. Oh, you sold me that sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, I I just build relationships. I'm not really like the salesperson, but yeah, it's definitely one of those skills that I think that people that are naturally born into it, they don't think anything of it. They don't have a second guess of how difficult it is for those that it's just not your first nature. So I'm an introvert. I don't really like, I I can talk now because I'm like, okay, it's now time to talk, but I'm an introvert. Like I'm a wall hugger. So I'm okay with being in a little space and being quiet the whole time and talking to a select group of people. I'm totally fine with just talking to my clients, but making first contact is a little difficult. Me being in a crowded room and having to just have conversation with, conversations with people. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, like do, I uh-huh. hate that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Excuse <I'm>, me. <laughs> I think the best thing that happened was for introverts was the pandemic because we, yes, didn't, have to go any, we didn't have to go to any networking meetings. I don't got to go nowhere. Yay. Yeah. It was just so draining. I would go to those things and go, oh, why did I waste my time? Why did I go? I love public speaking, but I'm wiped out for days after like I'm gonna sleep good tonight so (laughs) definitely 100 agree yeah and sales is a conversation but it there's so many people who are so bad at it because they treat it like something that needs to be forced onto somebody as opposed to just learning what they want and having a conversation to really help them yeah and yeah it I needed someone to help me get out of my way and it was nice yeah, yeah. You work with somebody who was like, listen, you got good skills. You just need to stop being scared. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if there are individuals that are listening, that would love to work with you. What's the best way to contact you? The best way to contact me is to go to home.blps.live. Home.blps.live. That is my online university. 
You will see my online course. You'll see my pretty face and my contact information. And I am enrolling people into the summer cohort that starts June 2nd. You want to apply now because seats are filling up and you want to be a part of this. Perfect. And I'll put all those links down below as well. So Rolanda, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been great. If you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.